لیکن انہیں آپ sang this song the other night and we had a uh, request to sing it again tonight it's called I Find No Fault in Him privilege to have again Brother Messler in our church. It's been such a tremendous blessing to us. Evangelized for some five years throughout the United States and some foreign lands. And it's been such a tremendous blessing to the Prescott Church. We're just glad to have him tonight. Brother Messler, the Lord bless you. Come and minister for Jesus. Thank you, Brother Mitchell. How many are happy tonight? Sound a little hoarse, but that's all right. Jesus is here. Amen? Kind of like the Texan that came to California 
He walked down the street and a drop of rain hit him on the head and he fainted. So they had to pour a bucket of dust on him to revive him. And I think maybe I need a little smog tonight. Amen. God is good. And the more that you get from the Lord, the more you want. And the more you want, the more He gives you. And the more He gives you, the bigger you get. And the bigger you get, the more you require. Hallelujah. And you just keep growing and growing and growing and growing in the presence of the Lord. It's wonderful to serve Jesus, isn't it? Hallelujah. Sometimes you get so excited you don't know whether to run or to fly or to walk or, or what to do. Because God is just gracious to minister to all the needs of His people. Hallelujah. I wonder if we could sing that chorus tonight before we open the Word, an old song that I'm sure many of you have heard for years. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to Thee. How great Thou art! How great Thou art! It's wonderful that we're serving Him. And He's a great big God. Do you believe that? Glory to God. Let's lift up our hands to heaven as a praise and sing it to the Lord and let it ring with all of your heart and with all of your soul. And then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great to him. Jesus. 
Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Le karando sorianda la baraka shatala babaro sorriaya. Le orishia la baranda. E kerianda la baranda la baranda riashaya. Glory to Jesus, glory to God, glory to God. Glory to Jesus, glory to Jesus, glory to Jesus, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord, praise the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Don't you love the Lord tonight? Amen. I talked to a young fellow not too long ago. He was talking about the moving of the Holy Spirit and keeping it under control. Not allowing too much confusion. And, and he says, I've always organized this thing and, and I try to keep it under control. But you know, I've heard this taught and, and talked about so much over the years. And I've come to one great conclusion, church. In order to keep the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit and the power of God under control, you've got to have something moving first before you can control it. Amen? And the problem of it is they're always busy controlling it before it even starts to move. I believe we need to rejoice in the Lord. This is where it's at. The Bible says the Lord inhabits the praises of His people. He lives among the praises of His people. Rejoice and make a joyful noise unto the Lord. In Psalms 150, I want to read it. I'm not going to preach on it, but I want to read it. Hallelujah. Sometimes, you know, if you ever get feeling a little bit, I'll put it this way, denominational-ish. Amen? Just open the 150th Psalms or some of these Scriptures and read them. It says, Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in the firmament of His power. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him in the, according to His excellent greatness. Uh, hallelujah. That excites me. Amen? Then it tells us how to praise Him. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpets. Praise Him with the psaltery and the harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Praise Him with the stringed instruments and the organs. Praise Him upon the loud cymbals. You ever wonder why the Lord specified a loud cymbal? Praise Him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Do you believe that? You know, when I read scriptures like this, if I didn't know better, I'd think the Lord was Pentecostal. Amen? 149 says, Praise the Lord and sing unto the Lord a new song, and His praises in the congregation of the saints. 
Let Israel rejoice in him that made him. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name in the dance. Let them sing the praises of him unto him with the timbrel and the harp. For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people, for he will beautify the meek with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. Hallelujah. Amen. We've got something to be happy about. Something to be excited about. Something to praise God about. I went over to see my mother and father not too long ago, and they're retired and getting up there in years. And they have a lot of time on their hands now. And so when we went in, they were busy sitting behind the old one-eyed demon. I may know what I'm talking about. And they were watching a program, and I can't even remember what the name of it was, Beat the Clock or something like that. And a woman, she they were dressed up in all kinds of costumes. This lady had on a costume like a rabbit with big ears on, and, and her face was all painted up. And, and they were going through this little game, and she got so excited because she just won a refrigerator. And she danced, and she shouted, and she screamed, and she grabbed the announcer and knocked the microphone out of his hand, kissed him, made a fool out of herself over a refrigerator. Amen. How much more ought do we be able to get excited over Jesus Christ? God is real. Praise God. One lady came not too long ago and said, Brother, I, I'm not sure about you. I think maybe you're used to the devil. Because I haven't seen things like that before. But that really doesn't prove anything. Amen? And I said, well, sister, if this is the devil, then he's surely not as bad a fellow as I've been taught that he was. Amen? If the devil opens blind eyes and heals the lame and causes people to be happy and full of joy, causes them to rejoice and give praise to the name of the Lord, then he's nearly not as bad as I thought he was. Amen? But this is not of the devil, it's of God. And if we'll open up and rejoice in the fullness of God, the more that you get, the more that you want. Amen. I wish that we could just spread it all over. You know, we need more fire in the world today, more enthusiasm. And we hear this conversation so much. It's all sensation. It's all sensation. But I'll tell you what, I'd rather have sensation any day than stagnation, wouldn't you? I believe we need more fire of the Holy Spirit, more men with heart, with zeal, full of the Holy Ghost, full of the power of God, full of the anointing of the Holy Spirit that's ready to go out and start a fire for Jesus Christ. Some wildfire, church. Come on. One man told me, he said, I don't like wildfire. He said, that's why I'm afraid of these things, because of wildfire. I said, that's the only kind of fire I believe in. Because a wildfire isn't limited to one little group. A wildfire will catch anything that gets in its way. Amen. Whether it's Lutheran, Baptist, Presbyterian, Methodist, doesn't make any difference where you come from or who you are. If the wildfire is sweeping you away and you get caught in it, it'll take you too. And that's the kind of fire we need in the churches today. If we had more people like that, I know a lot of places I could put them. Amen. Maybe they'd start a fire somewhere. Hallelujah. Think what would happen if some of these preachers got a glowing heart. Come on. And they got a little bit excited, a little bit enthused about what they were preaching. It might rub off on a deacon. 
Come on. Maybe the people in the church would begin to believe that the preacher meant what he said for a change. Come on. And it might spread down into some of the other areas and start a great move of God. Oh, I'll tell you, I thank God for what God's doing right here. I appreciate this. This is real. I thank God for what He's doing down in North Long Beach. I thank God for what He's doing in many areas. that We've seen this. But my heart goes out for the places where it isn't yet. And I believe that God wants to use every individual who has been touched by the Spirit of God as a spark and as a cinder to start a fire in another area and to cause the power of God to begin to flow in the same manner in other places of the earth. And it's going to happen. You mark my word, it's going to happen. We're facing one of the greatest revivals, church, that this world's ever seen. Hallelujah. I'm prophesying to you right now. You mark my word. We're facing one of the greatest revivals. We hear about what's happening over there in Indonesia. And it is happening. And I know this. But you mark my word. It's going to break out over here. I tell you, I sense this in the spirit. Los Angeles area is going to touch, see one of the greatest moves of God that they've ever seen. And I believe that it's going to open up and pour out in such measures that we've never seen, nor thought possible, nor dreamed of. It's going to be something far greater than you ever begin to imagine. And it's going to start in places just like this, where the Spirit of God is flowing and hungry people will get a hold of God. Do you believe that? I don't understand all of this, but you never do. That's what's wonderful about serving God and being led by the Holy Spirit. Amen? He has something fresh, something new, something real. We've never seen God move twice the same way in any service because He's a God of variety. And He wants to minister to the needs of His people. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Mm. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory to Jesus, glory to God. Oh, how we worship you, we praise and magnify the name of our Lord. She karamamarasatalababahaya. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory, 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 glory. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it wonderful? Praise the name of the Lord. Just blesses and encourages and uplifts and strengthens our lives. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm going to read to you from the third chapter of Joshua. In the first through the fifth verse. Joshua, the third chapter, and the first through the fifth verse. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass that after three days that the officers went through the host, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then shall ye remove from your place, and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about two thousand cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that ye may know the way by which ye must go. For ye have not passed this way hitherto-fore. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. You know, it's a very interesting story, not just a story, but the whole life of these Israelites, from the time that they were brought into bondage of Egypt and from the time that they were released by the Spirit of God. And I've noticed that throughout the Scriptures that there's a great amount of the Bible is to devoted to the deliverance of these people out of the land of Egypt. God's taken a great deal of the Bible and used it telling about His deliverance of these people out of the land of Egypt. And I believe, church, that the Bible is a book of spiritual teaching. Do you believe that? It's a book of spiritual teaching. It has spiritual significance. And there's more to these lessons than just a lesson on Jewish history, but there is a real significance behind every act, behind every move, and behind everything that these Israelites did as they were being led out by the power of God. I'm sure that you've all read it and you're familiar with it. Bible is teaching us in many areas the things that would come in the future. Deliverance from judgment of the death angel. 
was no doubt significant of the deliverance of our sins and our, our transgressions through the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, who was going to die upon the cross and give us salvation through His blood. Amen? Crossing the Red Sea, the pillar of cloud, the fire by night, the manna from heaven, all of these are God's examples of His supplying and His leading and His guiding the children of Israel upon the journey that He was going to take them upon. It was a type of His spiritual defeat over the enemies that was going to stop them and was going to subdue them and keep them from reaching their goal. But God wanted, church, and I want you to notice this very closely, God wanted more than just to deliver the Israelites out of Egypt. When He got them out of this land of Egypt and He had delivered them from the hand of Pharaoh, His plan wasn't finished. He wanted more than just to get them out of the land of Egypt. But God's plan and God's purpose was not complete nor not fulfilled until they were able to reach the land that flowed with milk and with honey. Hallelujah. I believe there's a great significance in this today. Thirteen times in the Scriptures that God spoke to the Israelites, and He told them that He was going to lead them to a land that flowed with milk, and with honey. Think about that. Now, I don't believe that God was literally speaking of the fact that when they got over into Canaan, that there was going to be river banks and the rivers would be composed of milk flowing down the river and there would be honey all about over the ground. But God was showing the Israelites that the land that they were about to inhabit and what they were going to take was going to be a land of plenty. It was going to be a land of bounty. It was going to have everything that they could possibly desire or want, and all of their needs should be met in such a place. And I believe that this is exactly what God has for the church, for the Christians, for the believers today, is to be able to enter into the fullness of the Spirit of God, where they can draw from this place and receive the fullness of God's Spirit for their life. Do you believe that? Now the tragedy of this story is that so many of these Israelites never reach the promised land. This is what grieves my soul. This is what we were talking about in the beginning. They were delivered I believe they were out of sin because the blood of the death angel had been shed and had separated them and, and they'd been transformed. They'd been taken out of the sin or out of Egypt. And Egypt is a type of the sinful world. I believe that Pharaoh was a type of the devil. The blood was a type of the blood that was shed for Jesus Christ. And these people were out. In other words, they were Christians, as we could look at them today, but they were out of this land. They'd even crossed over the Red Sea. 
they were on the other side, they'd seen the hand of God as He parted the waters. They'd fed upon the heavenly manna as it came down. They had drank water from a solid rock. They had fed upon the quail that came in and was given to them. They had had great and powerful blessings from the hand of God, and He'd proven themselves Himself to them. They knew that it was real. They were saying they belonged to Jesus Christ, but yet many of those lies never began to take hold of the real promise that God had for them. How often do we see this today, church? There was many of those individuals that spent their whole life, hear it, their whole lifetime, even though they were out of Egypt, even though they were out of that place of bondage being found by the devil, they spent their whole lifetime wandering in the wilderness. That same old monotonous path over and over and over and over again. I've seen this happen and I've seen it repeat itself over and over again. Many of them died right there in the wilderness. They not only walked over that same path, but they died there. Now, you've heard that old expression, history repeats itself, and I believe that's true. Because if this was a story of the past, it would be terrible, but it's worse because it's not just a story of the past, it's a story of the present. There's so many people today that have been delivered from sin. They've been saved by the power of God and the blood of Jesus Christ to set them free. He's taken them out of that bondage of Egypt and of Pharaoh. They know the love of Jesus Christ. But so many times they'll spend their whole life wandering in a dry place, never really entering in to the fullness and to the power and to the anointing of God's Holy Spirit for their life. They never have it. Now, I believe they could have. Are you listening? I believe they could have. God's purpose for those Israelites when He brought them out of that land of Egypt was not for them to wander in the wilderness. That wasn't God's purpose. God's purpose wasn't for them to die out there, but God's purpose was then for them to go in and to possess and to conquer and take the entire land that it might be used for their own blessing and for the glory of God and for their children that were to be born to them. They could have had it. There are many today that when you receive the Spirit of God, God's purpose for you is to have the fullness of Jesus Christ upon your heart and your life. You know, it grieves me when I see so many that have never learned how to tap onto that spiritual source and to draw their strength from God. They've never really crossed over into that area and never really crossed over into that place of blessing and power with the Lord Jesus Christ. The reason why so many were not able to go in was because of unbelief. You just missed a good place to say amen. You have faith no matter who you are. If you don't have faith that God will, then you automatically have faith that He won't. Come on. In Mark, the 11th chapter, it says, that if you say unto that mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and doubt not in your heart, but believe that those things which you say shall come to pass, ye shall have whatsoever you say. Amen? 
Now, it didn't say whatsoever good things that you say, or whatsoever bad things that you say, but he shall have whatsoever he saith. Now, there's a lot of people that have faith, but they have the wrong kind of faith. Hallelujah. And that faith is working even though it is the wrong kind of faith, but it's working in the wrong direction. It's getting quiet in here. Amen. So often it's easy to believe the contrary because of fear. Those Israelites had the promise, they had the right, they had the power, all they had to do was go over and take the land, but because of fear they believed they couldn't. Now that was faith, it was the wrong kind of faith. They didn't believe in the promise that they could take it, but they believed they couldn't. They had faith in the negative, and because of the fact they had faith in the negative, they got exactly what they had faith for and what they believed for. Even Moses, hear about it, this man of God that we put so much confidence in, and that we talk about and we read in the Bible, and I'll tell you there was no one second to Moses, but Moses himself never entered over into the promised land. How many believe Moses was a Christian? How many believe he's with the Lord today? Yet he never got over there. He never got over there. Because of an act of disobedience, and because he decided to do something in his own way, rather than the way that God had planned for him to do it. Oh, listen, church, you can spend your whole lifetime wandering out in the desert. You can spend your whole lifetime. I've seen, you know, a preacher came to me not too long ago, and he said, Brother, he said, we've been watching and hearing the reports of the tremendous growth that you've had in your church. And he said, Brother, he said, would you tell me something? He said, how do you, what do you do? I said, get out of the way. Amen. He said, oh, I know, but he says, what's your plan? What's your method? I said, I don't have any. He said, there must be something that's doing it. I said, the Holy Spirit's doing it, brother. All you've got to do is pull yourself back out of the way and begin to let God move upon the people and do what He wants to do. But the problem of it is there's so many that are doing just exactly like this man of God, Moses, who was a man of God, who was anointed of the Lord, whom God had placed out there, but Moses got his own hand into the situation and tried to do it his own way, and he killed the move of God upon the people and upon his own life. God said, speak to the rock. Moses went out and struck it. Come on. Somebody says, well, I'm God's anointed and I've been given a responsibility to these people, so I've got to do this and I'm going to keep it under control and I'm going to hold it down and I'm going to do this. And they sit there upon the rock the rest of their life and never enter into the fullness of God simply because they're trying to do their own way instead of following the directions of the Holy Ghost and just getting out of the way and letting God work. Praise the Lord. Oh, hallelujah, church. It works. God wants to take us out of the wilderness. He wants to take us out of the desert places. He wants to lead us into the fullness of His Holy Spirit, into a power, into a real place of refreshing power of God that will lead us into the newness of life such as we've never known. You know, one of the things that's just disturbed me to no end in Pentecostal realms, there, there's so many areas you've got to watch. Because it seems like that over the years we've, we, we talked about salvation, being saved and our lives born again by the Spirit of God. And this is right and good and, and we know what it does for us. But they'll go so far, you see, we get saved, 
It's like a little old lady that used to stand up and say, Hallelujah, I'm saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost, and on my way to heaven. And they'll try and seek for the Holy Spirit for a while and tarry. Pretty soon they get the Holy Spirit and they'll say, Well, hallelujah, I've been seeking God for five years and I finally got it now. And sit down and die. Come on. When you get the Holy Spirit, you haven't got it, church. You've just taken the first step. You've just stepped through the door into a new era, to a new life, into a new experience. You've just begun to make the very first step, and God has something greater, something more powerful than could ever even begin to enter into your mind as you begin to progress into these places. Now, there's a lot of others, and I don't mind. I'm not fighting anybody. My warfare is not against people in this country or against organizations or against churches political ideologies or anything like that. My warfare is against the devil. Amen. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of this world. We're wrestling not against men, but we're wrestling against the demon forces of hell. But I've seen a lot of them today now that they're beginning to experience this baptism of the Holy Spirit. And there's some of the others that are coming in, the denominational people. And there are a lot of the others that are beginning to experience. But there's something that's beginning to disturb me. I've noticed this for quite a while. And I haven't never really been in to put my finger on it. I've watched in the full gospel businessmen. I've watched it in other groups. And... I'm not against the full gospel businessmen. I love every one of them. I love all of them. But there's something that's disturbing me, church. They've got into this experience, but it seems as though the only thing they talk about is tongues. Hallelujah. Tongues, 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 tongues. And how many knows I believe in tongues? Praise God. I feel like Paul when he said, I speak in tongues more than you all. Sometimes I'll rattle off for hours. And I believe in it. But this isn't the whole plan. God wants to take you out of that realm and lead you into deeper depths in the Holy Ghost. And brother, if we just meet that particular step and stand there and bounce around in that one area doing nothing else, we've missed the purpose of God for our lives. There's so many that are staying right in that particular place in the wilderness. Moses, that great man of God, even though he was anointed of the Lord, I've heard that too. Amen. Brother, don't tell me now. I'm just as much anointed as you are. And I says, well, I don't doubt that a bit. Come on. I don't claim to be any special anointed, gifted individual. One man came to me to ask him to hold a revival in his church. And he says, now, brother, what what do you do? (laughs) Amen. I said, I preach the gospel. He said, oh, I know that. But he said, what What do you do? I said, I just told you. I preach the gospel. And he says, well, I know that. He says, uh, but he said, do you sing? I said, no, I don't sing. I'd never be very successful if I did that. And he said, well, do you play an instrument? I said, no, I don't do that. Well, what do you do? My... I thought, how long does it take to get through this man? I said, I preach the gospel, brother. He said, do you have any gifts? I said, if I did, I wouldn't tell you about it. Amen. I don't think a gift is something you have to go around talking about. If you have it, use it. 
Praise God. Don't boast about it and talk about it. It's like a lady that ran to me one night in a revival service and she said, Oh, Brother Metzler, we're so happy you're here because she said, We need the gifts of the Spirit in our church. And, and I'm so glad that God sent you here because maybe you'll stir up some of these others. She said, Because God's given me the gift of this and the gift of that and I have this gift and I have that gift. I said, Sister, your biggest gift's operating right now. Amen. Praise the Lord. And needless to say, she wasn't very happy with me. In fact, it made her kind of angry. The other lady came up and said, Oh, brother, talk to our pastor because he needs the power of God and he needs the gifts of the Spirit. And I said, Well, is he against them? She said, Well, I don't think he's against them. And I said, Well, does he teach not to use them? Well, I don't think he does that. But she said, It's just not happening. I said, Well, what's wrong with you? Come on. God didn't just lead Moses over there to the promised land, but He had it for every one of those Israelite people. Now listen, we can enter into the fullness of God. If God's got something out there, I want it. Just because the pastor don't have it, it's not going to stop me. Come on. I believe that if you take what God has for you, you might kindle a fire somewhere else. Hallelujah. And begin the flow of the Spirit working in your own life. God wants us to move out. So many are trying to do it just like Moses. They're doing it in their own way, but it's going to hinder you and keep you back and you're not going to enter the fullness of God. And I believe they think they're right. Moses thought he was doing what was right. They say, oh, well, Lord, you know my heart. You know my way. At least I feel I'm doing what's right. But it's not good enough to feel what you're doing is right. You better find out that's what the Lord wants you to do. Amen. You better find out what's working, what God does according to the Scriptures. The power and praise, the rejoicing of the Lord. Not just talk about it, but begin to see and to know. And then when you find it out, brother, get into it. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Give it everything that you've got. In First Corinthians or the 13th chapter and the 5th verse, it says, Examine yourselves whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own self. Have you ever done that? Examine yourself whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own self. I had to do that. I was pastoring a little church, and every time I'd pray for somebody, they'd either die or get worse. Come on. Now, I'm telling you the truth. I could get up here and say, oh boy, I had fire and power, you know, and, and lie like a lot of the others do. But every time I would pray for somebody, I got so disturbed. I'd Somebody called me, and they'd say, oh, Brother Messer, come and pray for me. We're sick, and I believed in divine healing, and I would preach it. And I'd go running out there and lay hands on them, and they'd either get worse or they'd die. And I'd think, oh, God, what's wrong with me? Amen. And we'd preach miracles. I'd get up in the pulpit and preach about the miracle power of God, and yet we never saw any miracles. And we were having a growth in the church. There was no doubt in my mind that God had sent me into the ministry. I knew this. It wasn't the fact that I was out doing something that I shouldn't have been doing because God had called me. It was very real. It was very definite. There was no doubt in my mind but what I was called of God. There was no doubt in my mind but where I, what I was where God wanted me to be. And I knew that God's hand was upon my life. There was no question. But why weren't these things happening? I began to prove myself and to examine mine own self. Finally, I got down and prayed, and I said, Lord, I can't go on like this anymore. Because it isn't this big a thing to me to be in front of a group of people. Amen. 
fact, it used to just scare me so bad that I, I, I'd pray to get out of it. Amen. I remember the first time I was ever in a crusader service when I was a young fellow and I was supposed to play my guitar. And they had me standing outside of a door out there and they gave me all the instructions. I was going to play a solo in Crusaders. And he says, now, John, you stand right out here outside the door. And when it comes time for you to play your guitar, he said, I'll announce it. And I'll say, now John Messler is going to come play his guitar. And he said, when you hear me say that, then you come in and play your solo. So I was standing outside the door there, just shaking and trembling, scared up to death. And it was only a Crusader group, about 40 kids in there. And so it came time, he said, he said, now, he said, we're going to have a guitar solo by John Metzler. <laughs> and John never came through the door. And he said, uh, we're going to have a guitar solo by John Metzler. And he still never came in. And so finally he said, hey, John. Went over and opened the door and John had ran all the way home with his guitar hanging behind his back. I was so scared, I just thought, Lord, I can't help it. I'm sorry, but i got to get out of here. And I left. And it didn't mean that much to me, because the only reason why I was in the pulpit, because I knew without a shadow of a doubt that God put me there. And so I began to pray, and I said, God, now look, you put me here. You're the one that called me out here. And if you can't prove yourself for me, I'm going to get out of it. And I'm going to get out quick. Because I don't like to just be there to do it and go through all the rigmarole like everybody else does and it's more than leading songs and, and, and preaching a little sermon taking up an offering and, and things like that amen if you can't produce what, what's the use and I got desperate before God I began to pray I got down on my knees and I started crying out to the Lord and God told me to get alone he says now I want you to separate yourself for a month and fast and pray seek me and I'm not going to go into detail with it because I've told you before. But I'll tell you something, church. At that time, God began to open up the windows of heaven and He began to pour something out on me that I had never experienced in all of my life. God spoke to me things that are, unutter that are unlawful to utter. God gave me things uh, that changed my life. It's never been the same from that day to this. And I'll tell you something, it never will be the same uh, because I began to examine uh, and to prove my own self. We need to see it today. Maybe we're not producing what we want to do. Examine yourself according to the Word of God. Dare to rise up and get out of that desert place because God wants to do something with your life. Do you believe it? Glory to God. And then a thing that I noticed that was so wonderful. Joshua, the third chapter, said, And they commanded the people, saying, When you see the Ark of the Covenant, your Lord, your God... And the priests of the Levites bearing it, then shall you remove from your place. I like that. Amen. I said, I like that. Ye shall remove from your place and go after it. Praise the name of the Lord. How many know what the Ark of the Covenant represented? It represented God's power. Hallelujah. Whenever that ark was around, the power of God was around. 
Amen. It even affected unbelievers when it was in the house of another man. He was blessed greatly because of the power of God was there in that ark. Joshua told those people now, he said, when you see the Lord, the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and he said, you begin to see it move, he said, get off your place, move from your place and go after it. Praise God. I believe that's good advice even for today, church. There's a lot of people that are so stuck to their place that you couldn't move them with a crowbar. Come on. The Spirit of God will begin to move and it will begin to flow through the church. People are crying out to God, reaching out and touching the Lord. There's a real fall of the Spirit upon their lives. But some are stuck to their old place, stuck to their old theology, stuck to their old teachings, stuck to their old ways, and sitting there on the desert saying, Go on, ark. Go as far as you want. I'm not going to move. Come on. Joshua said, if you're going to have power and you're going to go into the promised land, if you're going to go in where it flows with milk and honey, when you see that ark begin to move, you better remove from your place and go after it. Follow it. Follow it. Hallelujah. See so many steps behind it because you've never been here before and you don't know where you're going. So if you stay so many steps behind the ark, the ark will lead you there. You ever done anything that you didn't know what you were going to do when you did it? Come on. Hallelujah. I remember the first time I began to follow the ark of the power of God. It scared me half to death. God spoke to me and about a woman. Spoke to me about a man. There's a big old fellow came in the back door and sit down back there. And he was, oh, he was a, he was a mean looking critter. And God spoke to me about that man. He said, go back there and pray for him. He says he's got a bad back and he doesn't know me. And if you pray for his back and, and, and pray for him, he said, I'll heal him and I'll save him. And I thought, oh, Lord. The ark was moving that way. The power of God was moving that way. And I really didn't want to follow. I kind of wanted to stay back there in the desert. I thought, Lord, I'd rather stay right up here now because he's a mean-looking critter. He doesn't know God and he doesn't know the ways that I'm talking about. And I think he'd resent it if I went down there. But the ark kept moving. Hallelujah. And I was either going to follow it or sit back and let it go on by. And if God, the devil could defeat me there, he'd defeat me for good. Come on. And so finally I went down there and I called the fellow up. And I was so scared I didn't know what I was doing. And I said, Brother, I said, God told me to pray for your back because you have a bad back and that if I pray, He'll heal you. And he had a big smirk on his face. He's kind of looking down on me with that smirk. And then he just broke out and laughed. Just reared back and ha, ha, ha. He thought that was the funniest thing he'd ever heard. And he said, brother, he said, somebody must have told you about my back besides God. Because he said, God knows all things. And he said, there's nothing wrong with my back. Amen. People in the congregation, their mouth dropped open and they were looking very close and I was standing there trembling, and all of a sudden while I was standing there, the power of God fell on me. I'll never forget it as long as I live. God opened my eyes, church, and I saw that man just as plain as I can see you right now. I saw him. He was bending over, picking up a heavy object, and he went to lift it, and he grabbed his back in pain. And he fell to the ground. Two men came and got him, picked him up, carried him out, put him in a station wagon. I saw them drive him to the hospital. They carried him into the hospital. They laid him in a bed and they were put him in traction. They had weights 
that were strung up and they were tied to his legs and pulling his back into place. And I saw him laying there in all of that pain. And you know, as God began to open my eyes and I saw this taking place right before me, I began to relate it to that man step by step. And the more that I said, the whiter he got. And finally his mouth just dropped open and he said, uh, why, why, I did for a fact. I said, well, why don't you stand there and lie about it? I don't know, he said. And I said, do you believe this is God? Yes, it has to be. I said, do you want to get saved? Yes, how do I do it? Amen. God saved that man and healed him right there. Glory to God. Just from following after the power of the Holy Ghost. He may lead you into some spooky situations. He may lead you into some places that will cause your heart to be a tear. But brother, for the Bible says, as Joshua spoke to those Israelites, he said, stay behind it because you've never been this way before. But he said, God knows where he's going. You just follow after the ark and God will lead you into victory. Hallelujah. I'll tell you, if you follow the Holy Spirit, you'll never go wrong. You go following after somebody else and somebody that's telling you what you want to hear, some prophet that gives you things that makes you feel good, you might go off and stray. But if you follow the Holy Spirit, you're never going to go wrong, church. You're never going to go wrong. Some men cornered me not too many years after the Lord changed my ministry and they said, now brother, we're concerned about you because they said everybody that God ever used in any kind of a way of revelation always went off the deep end. They said their minds snapped. They just couldn't take it too long. And they just went off the deep end. And we're afraid that one of these days this is going to happen to you. So now that you've got what God gave you, just settle back a little bit. Don't get carried away with it and stay right there and uh, let God do what He does and, and don't go any farther. But I'll tell you something. Nobody ever went off the deep end by doing the will of God. Nobody ever fell off and snapped their mind by following the directions of the Holy Spirit. I don't care how deep of a revelation He takes you in. I don't care what He gives you. Nobody ever miss by following Jesus Christ. The way they miss is when they get into their own fleshly desires and attitudes and start doing it themselves and they get the spirit of the old man mixed up and that's when they get into trouble. Some people are so rooted to their own spot that they can't be moved. God wants to lead you into something, church. He wants to take you out of that place and lead you into the depth of the Holy Spirit, something greater than you've ever known before. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory to God. Do you believe that? I had a man tell me one time. He said, you know, it's strange, Brother Messer, that God led the Israelites the way he did. Because he said, I was looking at the maps of Israel over there. And he said, I noticed that the people, when they left Egypt, that there was another route that they could have taken that they wouldn't have had to cross over the River Jordan. Because you see, the river seemed to be their big obstacle. They got there and they knew the problem of the giants on the other side. And here was this old river between them. And they thought once we cross over that, we're going to be over there. And, and they were worried about it because that was their big obstacle. Now he said if that old river hadn't have been there, they would have moved in a little closer and a little closer. And it wouldn't have been quite such a big thing because God had to part the waters and they had to launch out by faith. He says, why do you suppose he took them around that way? They could have come the other way. 
But I believe the Bible clearly tells us why God spoke to Moses and said, if I take them that way and the enemy comes after them, they'll turn around and retreat and go right back to Egypt. Amen. But once God parted the waters and the power of God came down, piled the waters up on one side, piled the waters up on the other side, and those Israelites marched across dry shot, every one of them until they were on the other side, the waters closed again, and there they were stuck on the other side, forever committed to fight for the land. Think about it. You know something? Once you make that step, you're on the other side, and I don't believe you'll ever get back. Come on. I believe that. You say, oh, now, wait a minute, Brother Messiah. I've seen people that's backslid, turned against God. Oh, I know that. You may die, but you'll die on the other side. There's a lot of people, when they went on the other side, and they turned to the flesh, and they didn't do what God told them. Achan said, take every, or God said, everyone take every bit of the spoil and turn it over to God. But Achan found a gold wedge, and he kept it for himself. And because he didn't stand the way of the Lord, he died right there. He didn't come back where he was, but he died over there. Once you get on the other side, once you're in the flow of the Spirit of God, once God is moving upon your life, once God is doing something in you that is rich and real, you're there, and the only way you're going to remain there is to fight for the land. Hallelujah. And begin to work against the powers of darkness and to press on. Praise God. If you don't, you can't go back where you were. You'll just die where you're at. That's exactly what happened to you. I remember when it happened. <laughs> Amen. When I got over on the other side and I was scared half to death, I thought, oh, Lord, 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 what have I gotten myself into? What have I gotten myself into? You ever been in a place where everybody thought you were crazy and you were beginning to doubt? Amen. I even came to my wife and I said, honey, am I losing my mind? Am I going crazy? Because people that are losing their mind, they think everybody else is crazy and they're right. And I thought, is that happening to me? Come on. When you get on the other side, it's a continual pressing on into the death. You can't relax. You can't stand still. This is what I've told my people so many times. They said, oh, something about this or that. I said, brother, we cannot stand still. You might as well know it right now. As long as we're here, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. And if doors don't open, then we'll open them up and go on. Hallelujah. You must press on the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ in doing what God has set you out there to do if you're going to maintain that spiritual strength and power that God has for you. It's like some students came to Brother Moody. He sent them out one day and they came in. They said, Brother Moody, said, we've got problems. They said, nothing seems to open up or nothing's turning up today. He said, well, get out and turn it up then. Praise God. Get out and turn it up. Launch out, step on, press into the fullness, into that life of the Spirit. I'll tell you, I wouldn't trade what I've got for God, from God. I wouldn't trade the experience that Christ has done in my life for all the money in the world. When you get over that old river, into the land of milk and honey, a land that flows with blessing, a land that flows with power, a land that flows with all the needs that you have. It's a land that overwhelms you. Are you listening to me? God has proven Himself so many times. So many times. I had an old fat preacher get in the car with me not too long ago. Big old evangelist. And he must have weighed 300 pounds. 
And he got in and sit down, his big old belly almost rubbering the dashboard, and just moaning and belly aching all the time. Well, he said, it sure is nice to get in a car with a wealthy preacher for change. And I thought for a moment and looked around, and I was the only preacher in there other than him. And I said, what? He said, it's sure nice to be with a wealthy preacher for a change. I said, well, you must be talking about me. Why, sure. And I said, what makes you think I'm wealthy? Well, look at you here. He says, you're driving a new car and it's air conditioned and all of this kind of stuff. And you're living in a nice house. And he says, sure nice to be wealthy. I said, brother, I've got a little secret to tell you. Don't tell anybody, though. I said, I'm not wealthy. But I said, you'll never know it. He says, is that right? And I said, that's right. You'll never know it. Because I said, my God is a king. Hallelujah. He's my father. I'm a member of the family of God. God has taken me into the promised land. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. And if there's a need, I go get it. And God will take care of it. I don't care if I have a dime in my pocket or not. God will meet the needs. Are you listening? We went down here in North Long Beach just about three months ago. And I was in the church for two weeks. God began to move and pour out His Spirit. There was a great big corner down the street there. And all of a sudden I saw a red sign come up on it that said, For Sale. And I drove by that sign and God spoke to me and said, I want you to get that. And I thought, my Lord, that's an awful lot of property. It had a big supermarket on it and a shoe store and a whole bunch of other things. And I said, Lord, I've only been in this church for two weeks. Come on. What are those people going to say if I get up there and say, now, now we're going to buy this corner over here? So anyway, I went in and I prayed. And the more I prayed, the more God began to deal with me about it. So pretty soon I called up the broker that put the sign up. And I said, how much do you want for that property over there? Oh, he said, we got a real good deal on it. He said, I only want $140,000. I almost fell under the ta- I'm under my desk. And I said, Lord, how can this be you? But God kept dealing with me. And so finally, step by step, I can't explain it to you. It was the strangest thing. It was the miracle hand of God. One man came and offered the man, he wanted $140,000 for it, and he offered him 125000 He says, I won't take it. I can't do it. He says, 140000 is too cheap. And he says, I absolutely refuse to take one hundred and twenty-five because he said, I'm losing already. So a poor little old fool preacher came down and offered him one hundred and ten, and guess what? He took it. Amen. Amen. That don't excite you. You're dead, church. (laughs) Praise God. That's the hand of God. Brother, God said He'll do it if you have faith to step up and conquer it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We walked up into the church and I was scared after death. I thought, now we're going to take some pledges and see if we can raise some money for this property because we're going to have to do something if we're going to buy it. And so I came out a little bit timid and began to tell the people what we wanted to do.